Guardian Unlimited. Exploring Australia podcasts are brought to you in association with Travel. Go to austravel.com. That's austravel.com for more information on this and other Australian destinations. Hello, this is Mark Chipperfield for Guardian Unlimited. I'm in Sydney. It's Sunday morning. It's absolutely glorious. I'm at Circular Quay. You can probably hear the rumble of a train in the background. There are ferries, tourists, Aboriginal vans, jugglers, a whole panoply of... A city relaxing, getting ready for the working week. The reason I've come here is that I'm about to climb the Sydney Harbour Bridge, one of the great icons of Australia. The reason I've started my journey here is that it was at Circular Quay that really the idea of the bridge was born. Born out of necessity because there were simply not enough ferries to get people from the north shore of Sydney to the city centre, the working hub of Sydney. It's estimated that before the bridge was built, there were something like five million people crossing the harbour every year, including... I'm told 46,000 men with horses. So physically and emotionally, Sydney siders are very attached to the bridge. So I'm going to go off and I'm going to meet my guide, Brett Camel. He's going to tell me more about the bridge and how it was built and no doubt tell me how many rivets there are and all the other statistics that bridge people like. Okay, here I am at Bridge Climb. Brett's attaching all sorts of interesting things to me. Bits of metal, clips, a little bum bag for my tape recorder. Now, Brett, tell me exactly about this suit, because I know people make fun of it, and they've called it the Star Trek suit, and I think the latest name is not the Wiggles. What's the other one? The <laughs> Teletubbies. The Teletubbies is certainly a name that can, can fit it, but we are looking for grey to match the bridge. So we can have our friends come over and still take photos and we don't feel like we're intruding, that we're blending into the bridge. And they're fantastic for the sun as well and you've got to admit, Mark, they look good. Now there's a safety aspect to this. We're not allowed to take anything that might basically fall off and hit anyone on travelling on the bridge, is that correct? We're incredibly strong about our safety and uh, that was one of the main reasons for the government to approve it. So yes, your sunglasses will be attached, you'll wear a harness belt which will be having a latch system which will attach you all the way over the bridge. There will be not one piece of equipment from a handkerchief that will not be attached to your body. It's very unique but very important. What about photographs? Obviously when people uh, travel they like to get snaps of themselves. Okay, now we've got all our, we've got our suits on, we've got our harnesses on. Uh, Brett's got a little walkie-talkie and lots of very impressive ID there. And we're going to um, start climbing. The first thing we do, I think, is climb onto the approach. Is that right? Before we actually get onto the bridge proper. That's exactly right. The approach spans are before the arch of the bridge, which is where the Bradfield Highway is, and you start climbing along there, which is the narrowest part of the route, but it's fascinating because it's over the rocks, which is the birthplace for White Australia in a fascinating area. It's also the oldest part of the bridge, so it is also the first bit of steel construction. So it's a good way of experiencing some of the history of the bridge as you go along, and then when you get up to the arch, the views just take over. Okay, let's do it. 
Okay, here we are. We're actually on the bridge now, on the first, uh, I suppose, a s- a section of ascent. What, what, what's the proper name for this bit, Brett? This is uh, the eastern side, just before the quarter point of the arch. Certainly the great format for checking out the most wonderful view in the world, in my opinion. Now, you do this virtually every day, is that right? Virtually every day. We do have full-time workers and casual. For myself, personally, I'm a casual worker. Having said that, we are here probably five days a week anyway. Do you ever get sick of this view? It's, it seems impossible that you could. I agree with you, Mark. How could you? And it's just wonderful because you can be up here where there are storm clouds coming and you can appreciate the weather. And let's face it, it's a perfect day today. But in all weather conditions, the view is beautiful. People listening to this uh, podcast will probably hear a lot of traffic noise. We're actually on a very, very busy arterial road here, aren't we? Indeed. It's called the Bradfield Highway, named after good old John Bradfield, the chief engineer. And yes, one of the busiest highways in Australia. Did it need to be this big? Did it need to be this amazing when we were horse and cart? Not at all, not at all. But they were looking forward to the future, and now we have, boy, up to 200,000 cars zooming along here each day. I like to think of myself as quite an intrepid person, but it's a bit disconcerting when you first step onto the metal bit of the bridge and it's actually swaying and a train comes over and you can feel it rumbling through the actual structure. Is is it true that the bridge is designed to move and actually expands in the heat? Indeed. uh, If it did not contract and expand, it would buckle and fracture and fall down. It's a basic engineering idea that there does need to be give with the heat cold. And also with the traffic as well. So there is that give there. The bridge can move up to 18 centimetres, but our weather conditions never justify that. It's far less than that. But yes, you can feel the movement, can't you? Apart from Bridge Climb, which runs these fantastic tours, of course, many people actually work on the bridge maintaining it. Can you tell me something about the work that goes into keeping the bridge in its pristine condition? Yes, the the jobs are mainly to do with looking after the structure, of course, and the painting is a very big part of that. Now, it's a bit of a myth about the let's start at one side of the bridge and go to the end and then it's time to start again. That's true of some bridges, but never true of the Sydney Harbour Bridge. Okay, we're actually standing on the pinnacle of the bridge. (laughs) Brett's got his uh, hands raised. We're surrounded by... Very happy-looking bridge climbers who are taking in this view. And uh, I have a small confession to make. This is the third time I've climbed. So, but you can probably tell in my voice, I'm still, it's still a very exciting thing. And I I can uh, remember the first time I climbed and it's, it really is spectacular. We're, it's about 440 feet here above sea level, which doesn't sound very high, but actually you've got a bird's eye view of not only the Sydney city called the CBD here, the um, opera house is right underneath you. You've got speedboats, pleasure craft, yachts. There's a lot of activity, and I have to say, it is stunning, absolutely stunning. It's a very clear day. There's a, a, a nice, stiff northeasterly coming in, ruffling the flags above us, the state flag of New South Wales and the good old Australian flag. And what can I see? Well, basically everything I can see to the heads, 
with the merchant ships waiting to come in. I can see over to the hills just behind Bondi Beach. I can see a seaplane coming in from... Uh, where does it come from, Brett? It will be coming from one of the bays, Rushcutters Bays. They all come from different areas, different franchises. Yep. So that's a little bonus to, to see that come across. And on my right, I can see right out to the Blue Mountains, which do look very distinctly blue today. And there's a bit of eucalypt haze hanging over them. And in my immediate view is the Olympic Village, the old site of the 2000 Games, which is quite nice to see and of course straight down if you've got the guts to look straight down is the water itself which is sparkling in the correct manner almost to uh, to order and then you've got the naval dockyards and then lots and lots of beautiful little bays with yachts moored there and very expensive yachts and lots and lots of beautiful little um uh pieces of bush to go walking in and uh, really it's a complete you know it's a complete feast really for the eyes and to see so much water I think is is astonishing quite amazing so we're back here at Bridge Climb HQ and I just wanted to get Brett to run through quickly the safety arrangements because I know a lot of people are fearful of actually getting up on the bridge and they wonder how they're going to be looked after when they get there. Can you just run through quickly the safety arrangements there are here? It's a very simple concept, Mark. You are attached to a static line which is attached all the way around the climb route and you wear a harness belt which has a lead or a lanyard and a little black latch. And this black latch simply glides along this static line and you're attached the whole way. There is at no time that you're unattached. There's no possibility of anything to be afraid of. Come up and join us. And you don't really need to be that physically fit to do it. I understand you've had people as old as 98, is that correct? Indeed, the the oldest lady was 100, and uh, that was a stunning effort, and that was quite a few years ago. Myself personally, uh, 94-year-old colonel from the Midwest, a, a fantastic character, And yes, if a 94-year-old can do it, certainly one of normal health can climb the bridge. And regarding children, it used to be 13 was the cut-off point, but I think you said you're reconsidering now and with supervision, children from 10 years up can go. That's exactly right. As long as there's a guardian, uh, we're more than happy. Okay, I'm here with Gillian and Roy. They've just come off the bridge climb and they both look very excited. Give me your reaction to the experience. It was absolutely everything I expected it to be and probably more besides. It was, a, it was an extremely thrilling experience. You're here for a special occasion, I understand. Yes, it's our 40th wedding anniversary. So this is part of an almost three-week holiday and this is our Sydney exciting day for the day of the anniversary. Roy, was this one of your must-do things before your... 60 or 50? <laughs> uh, I've just turned 60, so yeah. it's one of the things I had on the list to do, yes. Yeah. Climb a local mountain near where I lived and do this, so that's good. Yeah. What was your f- feeling beforehand? Did you think, were you a little bit intimidated by the prospect? Or? Uh, no, I wasn't really, because I'm used to climbing on the hills, so I was looking forward to doing it, but I wasn't intimidated by it. What, what about the view? Fantastic view, absolutely brilliant view, right up to Parramatta, right round to the coast of Manly, yeah. brilliant. What about you, Gillian? What was it like getting to the top? 
It was just a feeling of exhilaration and a wonderful adrenaline rush at the same time. It was just superb. I couldn't, I couldn't speak more highly. Well, I finished the uh, bridge climb and I've climbed onto the traffic deck. I suppose that's the correct way of calling it, the, um, the actual highway. And it's, um, it's about a 20 to 25-minute walk from one side to the other. Very pleasant, if a bit noisy. There is a cycleway as well. If you've happened to have brought your bike with you, a hard one, that's a quicker way of doing it. But about uh, a third of the way across is the Pylon Lookout, which, which I'm visiting now. I'm actually right at the top, which is about 89 metres above sea level. This is a, quite a nice alternative to the bridge climb if you're pushed for time. The bridge climb does take three and a half hours. And there's a um, bonus here is that apart from the view, which is fantastic, there's a lovely little museum here that explains something of the history of the bridge and uh, details the really uh, appalling working conditions for a lot of the um, people who worked on the bridge and uh, 16 of whom, of course, died. Gives you a lot of the facts and figures and some of the colourful folklore as well, such as the opening ceremony, which has gone, has gone down in Australian folklore because of a, an incident involving Captain Francis de Groot, who uh, was a member of a paramilitary organisation. He rode through the crowd and slashed the ribbon with his um, sword, which um, made headline news all, all over Australia, as you can imagine, and um, still being talked about to this day. And um, so, as I said, it's this great way of getting some of the social history um, and the, um, the flavour of what it was like to work on the, this bridge, which is now approaching its 75th birthday. And I understand there are going to be big celebrations next year to mark that. So this is where I'm going to end my little trip, and I'm going to wander back across the bridge and then just take in this um, lovely, sunny afternoon. And... Um, I might even manage a beer in the rocks, which is a, quite a fitting way to end the afternoon. I'm told there are 15 heritage-listed pubs, so I won't be um, short of a place to perch myself, and um, I suggest you do the same. Exploring Australia podcasts are brought to you in association with Travel. Go to oztravel.com. That's austravel.com for more information on this and other Australian destinations. Guardian Unlimited.